Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Today, I have one of my dearest friends joining me. Annalise Williams is a former mental health counselor turned intuitive healing guide. She blends her traditional therapist background with energetic, spiritual, and intuitive tools to help people heal from trauma and learn to love their existence. Annalise practices healing modalities like Reiki energy healing, sound healing, and intuitively channeling messages from spirit guides. She is inspired by her own personal trauma healing journey to help others remember the sheer beauty, power, and magic that they have had all along. Hey, Annalise, thanks so much for coming to hang out today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you because you have just been one of those people that like we met and we connected and we've stayed connected and I have watched your journey take so many different twists and turns. <laughs> you've seen me come a long way. You have aligned <laughs> and like, I know, right? you've like aligned, realigned and then reassessed and you are somebody who is constantly checking in and having just a really open conversation with not only yourself, but the people that are in your community about what things can look like, how they can look different for each person. Um, and I love that a lot of your offerings are like, what the fuck are my spirit guides <laughs> and who are they anyway? And things like that. Like you just are very honest about kind of bringing people into this conversation. And I know that this isn't something that you grew up with at all. It wasn't really the professional track that you were on before you shifted things. So for people who are not familiar with your story, can you just share a little bit about how you kind of got to this place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> where to begin? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess I'll begin... Um, was sort of, um, my upbringing, kind of what I thought my life was going to be like. Um, I, um, I wasn't very happy growing up. I definitely, um, I was thinking about it a lot, reflecting on my journey. And just overall, it just felt like I wasn't enough everywhere across the board. Mm. Um, my body wasn't desirable enough. My grades weren't good enough. I wasn't likable enough. Um, whatever I did could always have been a little bit better. Um, and I had really um, believed that I was in this role on earth as a helper, as a server, as someone to help make other people's lives easier. And uh, I was kind of in the background um, and that the good things in life really weren't meant for me. Um, and I was like, okay with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, and hearing that now, it's so, so polar opposite of everything I do. Um, so it's kind of wild to, to reflect on, uh, my journey. Um, but I didn't think that, like, goodness and joy were like a, an inherent part of life. Um, I thought, only certain people uh, who are good enough, who are worthy, um, deserved happiness. Um, and I honestly believe that I like just happiness wasn't in the cards for me. Um, so wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was really sad and pessimistic and, um, but I was kind of okay with that. And I really just thought that's how life was. Um, and then I started realizing um, that, like, something's off. Something's off. So that uh, got me really interested in psychology. And because I was kind of, you know, being told by the world, like, you know, you have all these privileges. And I do come from a place of a lot of privileges. And, like, I had everything I needed. And I had... Um, you know, a lot of things that a lot of people don't. So why do I feel this way? Why am I in so much pain if my life Mm. is supposedly, you know, perfect? Um, 
so I guess I wanted to understand my own pain. Um, so I went into psychology, got my bachelor's in psychology. Um, <laughs> still didn't really know what I was doing in my life, but I just knew I loved understanding <laughs> why people work the way they do and why I felt the way I do. And um, just the sort of sense of validation of like reflecting on things that I grew up with and being like, wow, that was not normal. That was really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, got my bachelor's degree. I felt a lot of pressure. Um, I felt I was very, very codependent with my parents um, at that point in my life. Um, I relied on them financially. <laughs> Full disclosure, I still do. Um but I really felt like they were completely in control of my life and my life was for them. And um, wow. that I basically owed them to make something of myself and to give them what they wanted. Um, and they really wanted me to get my master's degree right away without taking time in between. Um, I really wanted some time in between to figure out my life. Um, I ended up applying to this one program uh, because I didn't have to take the GREs, which is a big test to get into grad school. (laughs) And I was kind of like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Well, this is related to psychology. Um, I got into the program. I ended up loving it, Um, loving learning about it, loving um, my my professors, And really, um, you know, loving this whole world of mental health and psychology and figuring out how we can go from, like, feeling like life sucks to feeling okay about life to even, like, being fucking ecstatic to being alive. Um, Like, that part just really struck me um, because for the beginning yeah like what what a revolutionary concept exactly the beginning of my life I thought oh you know life is misery and you know other people can be happy but it's just not meant for me and then it's this realization of wait a minute things could be different um and happiness is actually accessible to me um and so I uh did this master's degree program um, I actually, I love the program, but then um, once I graduated, um, I realized that the reality of the job opportunities um, were awful. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I had a year-long internship. I absolutely loved working with my clients um, and, you know, seeing them progress. And, um, now in hindsight, I'm realizing that I was actually using my intuition a lot. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you can't exactly cite intuition in your progress notes, like for insurance companies, like you can't just say, I just knew what they needed. Right. I just got this download. Like I just knew. Yeah. I've <laughs> talked about that on this show before where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I thought I was like this really amazing therapist. And here I was channeling yes. like the entire time and not the, necessarily the entire time, but like those moments where I would mm-hmm. say things, my clients would be like, yep. oh my gosh, like, how did you know? And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I guess I'm just a really freaking phenomenal therapist. Like, <laughs> no, it was like me getting like glimpses of, you know, their childhood from mm-hmm. spirit or like literally getting channeled messages for them or like making connections. And I like when I actually did realize like how much I was relying on my ability to channel that was giving me this ego of like having been this amazing therapist. It was a very humbling <laughs> experience. Yeah, but it's such a powerful tool though. Um, I remember I was an intern. There mm-hmm. um, had been this client coming to the clinic for years and years and years. He had a reputation for um, being quote unquote lazy and never wanting to make a change, never doing anything. Um and so they were like, let's throw them to the intern because no one wants to deal with them. So they gave them to me. <laughs> um, and my supervisor was like, okay, like he's got a reputation for being a liar. You need to be very aggressive with him. And my supervisor actually used the word aggressive. And I was like, that's not really my vibe. <laughs> um, and so he had all the, like his reputation preceded him. And I was supposed to like go in with a certain attitude with him. Um, and I didn't. I said, screw that. I just 
connected with him in the moment. I tuned into his energy right then, right there. And I figured out what he needed. And that was to unpack his childhood. And he went through some really, really, really Mm. traumatic, really fucked up stuff. Um, And once we worked through that, we uncovered, um, you know, some of his... um, the things that he is still self-conscious about now that originated from when he was a child. Um, we were able to role play and practice for job interviews and he got his first job uh, for the first time in like eight years when he was working with me and everyone was astonished. Mm-hmm. They couldn't believe that this guy who's known for being a liar and a loser and never wanting to do anything um, you know, had actually made progress and got a job, but it was because I just tuned into what he needed. And it Mm -hmm. it just, it seems so simple. And I I think that that's like, it is such a differentiation. I was actually working with uh, one of my coaching clients earlier today. And I was saying that, you know, there are people who are therapists. There are people who are massage therapists. There are people who are teachers. There are people that have all these different occupations, but like anybody who has a particular occupation can be a healer, right? Your modality to heal is different, you know, whether, again, you're a teacher or uh, you're a massage therapist or like some people are healers and they're working as a hairstylist. It doesn't matter. And I think that just because somebody is a therapist does not then also make them a healer. And I feel like being a healer really comes down to exactly what you were citing in terms of that ability to truly sit with another human being Mm -hmm and be with them, walk with them, hold space and actually get to know them without these judgments or conditions or preconceived notions that we use going into our interactions with other people. Like that's the last thing that should be coming in when you're working with somebody who is in need of healing because most of us are freaking traumatized. (laughs) Like most of us are walking around with a shit ton of trauma. And if it's not our trauma, it's our parents' trauma. If it's not our parents' trauma, it's our parents' parents' trauma, you know? And we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt or even just the space to have kindness and compassion. And that is definitely, I think, a beautiful thing that like I've heard that story before from you. And I'm so glad that you highlighted it in sharing how you like, you know, that part of your journey. And I didn't mean to like interrupt, but I just, you know, that is something that you and I are both very passionate about. Yeah. And so, you know, things like that are a big reason why I decided to leave the traditional mental health field um, was because I wasn't allowed to help people in the way that I knew would be the most effective. Um, (laughs) And when you just know, you just know. Um, and yeah, just, you know, insurance companies is a whole other animal. Um, and, you know, just basically boiling down to people not being able to get the help that they need because they can't afford it is really mm-hmm. messed up. And, you know, when you're trained clinically as a therapist and you see like the reality of what actually happens in the fields, like, this is wrong. We know that this is wrong and it's what happens. Um, and it's just, it's so like, it was really disheartening, like actually getting into the field and seeing how it happens. Um, but I decided to leave the traditional mental health healing system and essentially start my own. Um, and a lot of it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that's like basically where like I was, I met you at that point in time where you were mm-hmm. kind of trying to like for, force yourself to, like you were figuring out like, is it is there something wrong with me or is yeah. there something wrong with the system or is there something wrong with both of us? Like what what's going on? And you were really just starting to step your toes into what else can I do? How else can I help heal? Um and a lot of people don't know that there's other options and you really just dove in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the other options kind of like dove into me, <laughs> so to speak. Like mm. I like I know this is my destiny now because I could not run away from it. Um, thinking about like the timeline of my life when I started really getting into 
um, energy healing and things like that. Um, it actually has to do with uh, my trauma and some of the like most major trauma that I've dealt with in my life. Um, so uh, I'll talk about that for a little bit. Um, I won't get into mm-hmm. like super heavy details, um, but just know that it is a really heavy story. Um, and maybe if you're not feeling in a super balanced place right now, maybe save this podcast for another day. Um, but I um, have gone through some pretty major shit in my life. Um, and it actually started before I was born. Um so uh, what I was talking about before earlier, the way I was raised, it kind of all started making sense when I, once I started learning about trauma. Um, but before I was born, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, my mother's sister um, and her uh, two small children who are five and seven years old. So this is my aunt and my two cousins. Um, they were uh, randomly murdered by a psychopath who broke into their home, um, who tortured them and killed them. Um, he didn't know them. It was completely random. Um, his only goal was to cause harm. And he did. Um And um, it was found out after the fact that he had done many things to indicate that he was a danger to society. Um, He is uh, now has been officially uh, diagnosed as a psychopath. He has a genius IQ. He's very, very smart. Um, Before he murdered my family members, he was... Um, living in people's walls um, to kind of mess with their minds and make them think it was their dead mother. Um, And he um, eventually uh, broke into their house and tied them up and put their mother's dead, their dead mother's wedding dress on and put like um, war paint on his face and was like holding a hatchet and just really, really psycho shit. Um, And (laughs) it sounds like, you know, movies that I like to watch, like horror movies, but it's real life. Um, And so uh, once this all happened, um, he was sentenced to three life sentences, supposed to be put away for life without parole. Um, That was about two years before I was born. So I go through my life. Um, Obviously, my mother uh, is very traumatized. Um, by this, um, I strongly believe what she was going through, her grief and her trauma impacted my physical development in the womb. Um, I've always had lots of gut issues from a very young age, and that is um, definitely tied to uh, trauma. Um, and obviously that impacted the way she raised me. So, you know, wanting to mm-hmm. make sure I'm always perfect to stay safe um, I spent a lot of my life in freeze mode. Um, I was really afraid of being seen and being heard. So I tried to make myself as invisible as possible. Um, I've struggled with eating disorders, um, just kind of the whole, whole gamut of things and feeling like nothing I would ever do would make me be enough of a person to live a happy life. Um, so that impacted the way I was raised. Um, I didn't really know too much about it though, um, until I turned 23. Um, so at this time I was, uh, I had just started, um, graduate school, my training to be a therapist. Um, and my family got a call, um, from our victim's advocate, uh, which is someone who is assigned to family victims um, of crimes to alert them um, if they are in danger or if you know anything is happening involving their case. Um, and they let us know that there is this new law um, that meant that the man who killed my family uh, would potentially be getting out of prison. Um, and the time that he had already already served meant that he could be getting uh, released immediately, um, into society, um, which I just got chills all over, 
Um, and, you know, this is a guy who has a genius IQ. He knows how to live in people's walls. Um, he does, he's not right in the head. He's a psychopath. He will always be a danger to society. Um, and it's, it's just like wild that it's even being entertained, the possibility of his release. Um, so with that new law, there was a whole, um, big resentencing trial to determine if he should get out right now or not. Mm. Um, and so we got that news in 2013, in the summer of 2013, in the fall of 2013, um, I got really, really sick, went to the emergency room. Turns out I needed surgery to have my gallbladder removed. Um, I was freaking out. I was missing like finals week in grad school. I had never been like this physically ill ever. I, you know, was not my like cute bubbly self. I was <laughs> feeling awful, probably the lowest I'd ever felt. Um, and the nurse mm. was like, we have this volunteer, um, healing touch unit and you want to try it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I guess like rolling my eyes, like I'll, I'll try anything at this point. Like, fuck it, whatever. Um, thinking it was just going to be stupid <laughs> and like bullshit and not work. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's true. And like. Mm-hmm. If I never felt it for myself, I would still think it's bullshit. Um, but it was definitely one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Um, so the woman came in, she started playing this music um, and placing her hands on me in different places. Um, and I was just overcome with such peace and mm. like love and felt like everything was going to be okay my physical pain was gone um and i had started crying like good tears oh wow good tears it was such an Mm -hmm. emotional release um and i was seeing visions for the first time um and i was i realized now that i was taken back to um, a past life that i've lived um which i was a, a medicinal healer um an energy healer and that's the life that i am meant to embody and embrace and channel right now um but i was kind of freaking out i'd never seen visions before <laughs> and i was like what is this i feel like i'm floating in this like waterfall jungle right, like how sick i was like I? on morphine like- too so it's like <laughs> Like, what is happening? Um, My mom was also in the room with us. And when I opened my eyes, she had been crying, too. Um, Oh, wow. So she was able to receive. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, like, immediately. I'm getting full body tingles. Immediately as she finished, they came and got me to take me down for surgery. Um. Which is kind of like if you've ever been in the emergency room waiting for a surgery, they just make you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And like you never know. And they're like, we have to go now. (laughs) Yeah. So the timing was just unbelievable. Um, And as soon as that was over, I said, I have to learn how to do this for other people. This is how I meant to help people heal. Yeah. I actually have never gotten to hear that part of your story. Well, I actually that haven't pieced amazing. it together until quite recently, like the timeline of everything oh, wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and also I'm realizing that semester uh, I was taking an elective um, that was called like alternative healing modalities or something. Um, and I was just starting to learn and study about the chakras and like meditate for the first mm. time. Um, and it's just like, wow, the timing of everything is really like, like, wow, it was really meant to happen this way. Um, and that's the funny thing too about trauma is that um, the saying is that it like cracks you open um, to your intuitive gifts <laughs> and it just cracks you open, breaks you apart as well. Um, but when you're cracked open, like it really, um, 
I don't know how to put this into words, but going through those lows is what enabled me to allow myself to feel the highs that life has to offer. And Mm -hmm. I really want to be clear that I'm Mm -hmm. not saying like, that's why I went through my trauma to make me stronger or to help me Mm -hmm. learn. I cannot stay in that shit. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I know that if I didn't go through my trauma, I wouldn't have been presented with the opportunity that I chose to take this shit and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that is a conversation that I, I haven't really had with anybody except maybe other than like <laughs> myself to myself. Um, but most people that I know who are really powerful healers do have a certain level of trauma. And I think that part of that is, again, in my belief system, we come here with a specific calling and a specific purpose. And we know exactly what we need to experience as human beings to help us to be able to embody and carry out that calling, that purpose, that mission, because as souls, we don't really understand the human condition. And in order to help people who are experiencing great pain, it's something we have to understand ourselves. And that's not to say that we can't have experienced great pain in a past life. And, you know, now Mm -hmm. this, this life, we don't need to go through it because we already have that, you know, within us to be able to help, you know, others who are experiencing it. But again, as you know, in my belief system, we're, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. And we really need to understand what it is to be in the body of a human being, what it is to have these human emotions, what it is to exist on that spectrum. And unless you know how far down that spectrum can go in terms of the human experience, Mm -hmm. you also can't know then how far up. It's a widening that happens on both ends of the spectrum, no matter what side of it you're experiencing at any given time. Yeah. Totally. And I think that that's like a a cool thing to talk about because I think when we as healers, you know, I love that you also made that distinction of like, that's not blaming anybody for their trauma or saying like, well, you signed you up for it. And like, you know, it's because <laughs> no. you needed to be like, you needed to be stronger. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the vibe here, but I do think that we intentionally go into certain timelines and in, and certain situations and we pick certain family systems so that we can learn the things that we haven't learned yet that are going to serve us with our mission and our purpose. And I see that so much with the work that you do and the where you have been and where you have been able to evolve um, because the people you ultimately serve are the people who are very stuck in this narrative of like, oh, well, happiness is not for me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, misery is life. Life is misery. (laughs) Like, you know, just like rinse and repeat, like this is what we're here for. And they don't necessarily have that connection to a higher purpose or a higher calling or feel like they even have the option to have any type of choice in how they're experiencing their existence. And people are going to listen to you because you have been where they are. I I know for myself like um like if someone wants to talk to me about, you know, chronic illness or the death of a parent or something like that, like you better have had gone through it mm-hmm. or you better have had lost somebody close to you. Like don't you dare try to talk to me because yep. that's not part of your lived experience and as much as you can hold space and be there and supportive, there's just a certain level of knowing that helps you to be able to stand alongside and walk alongside those people in a way that's actually going to be Mm -hmm. transformative. Yes. Yes. Like if my therapist has them into therapy themselves, I don't want them. (laughs) Straight up. No. And that's also like, chances are, if you have become a therapist, you really should be. Oh my God. Yeah. Every therapist that's been on uh, so far, we always talk about like that moment in graduate school where you're like, oh my God, (laughs) wow, you know, and it's just like shit's way more Mm -hmm. fucked up than you thought it was, (laughs) you know, and then it's like, okay, cool. Like, what am I going to do about it? But that's, 
the beautiful thing. And I think for you learning about trauma, and this is the thing that you're you're highlighting and that I want to re-highlight so people can really have this takeaway, because of the trauma that your mother, you know, your family system experienced, it impacted your development, mm-hmm. right? Like different hormones were being given to you in utero, different, you know, levels of cortisol, like the way that your mother's nervous system was operating at that time. And then from the time that you're born, we pick up on other people's energy, their attachment styles. They teach us how to operate mm-hmm. in the world. And your mother's view or your family system's view of the world is that it is a dangerous and unsafe yep. place. So please make yourself as small as possible so like you can survive. Even I what our grandmothers went through because we were technically inside our grandmothers because we were eggs inside of our mothers. Mm-hmm. And we were we went through what our grandmothers went through too. It's mm-hmm. so wild. Yeah. And for anybody who's, you know, read about intergenerational trauma or, you know, epigenetics, they have seen the ripple effects of traumatic experiences well after that three generational timeline. It is, they say human beings don't have instincts, but we get certain things turned on and off in our genes based on what our bodies feel like is going to help us to survive. So if you go through a life-threatening experience or something that you perceive as a life-threatening experience, yeah, your body's going to change what's on and off to give you the best chance of survival. And it's going to then give that same code to your offspring because it thinks like, oh, we're smarter now because we've learned that, you know, like elephants can trample us or like whatever it is that that happened. And, you know, they've seen this also with, um, if anyone's read, like the body keeps the score, there's, you know, citations in there about people who lived through the Holocaust and lived through concentration camps. And many, many generations later, they can expose people to that same stimuli or similar stimuli, and they're going to have a a trauma Mm -hmm. response to it, even though it wasn't part of their lived experience. And I think that that is such an important thing to highlight. And I love that that's led you into energy healing. And so can you talk a little bit about how energy healing specifically helps heal intergenerational trauma? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this topic so much. (sighs) Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, no, this is the thing that has really changed my life the most. Um, was and your mom's life too, right? Like that's where I think that's another cool thing to highlight is that your mom has received healing just from you existing in the world Mm -hmm. differently, and we can get more into that. But like. That's the cool thing is there's such a ripple effect when we start to look at intergenerational Yeah, trauma. and she is actually also now um, working on becoming like an intuitive spiritual counselor like in her church. Yeah, <laughs> so, awesome. so she's doing her spiritual energy thing, intuitive thing too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's in the blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So uh, energy healing and healing from trauma. Um I guess because we are so conditioned to um, ignore and dismiss and kind of like Mm -hmm. talk shit about um, things that are not of the physical world, things that are not taught about in school, um, of, you know, just things like energy and the fact that we are souls having human experiences and there are other souls that are not having human experiences. Um, and I think just uh, my experience in the hospital, just taking the chance just to try it. Um, I mean, that changed my life because before I didn't believe, I didn't believe mm-hmm. in any of it. I didn't believe in energy. I would definitely like make fun of. <laughs> but that's also like you had to be in that level of desperation. Yeah. And that's where like, it's like, so like awesome, not awesome. You were in that much yeah. pain, but like, that's where like, you look back on it and you're like, wow, like if I hadn't been in that level of desperation, when that was mm-hmm. offered to me, I would not have said Yes. And that's like when we go back and we're like, wow, okay, maybe things really do happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Um, And I guess, I guess personally, like I'm an only child. Um, I didn't have grandparents growing up. I had one grandma. She died when I was really young. I don't really remember her. 
Um, so I've always felt very like alone, um, in my family. Mm-hmm. I'm very much like a black sheep. Um, I'm vegan. My parents are not. Um, I'm liberal. My parents are not. <laughs> um, we just, uh, I'm kind of like a little alien in, in the family. Um, and, you know, thinking about my, my aunt and my cousins who were murdered before I was born has always made me kind of like wonder if I would feel different about my family, if I would feel more connected to my family, if I could feel like I could relate to more people or be accepted by more people. Um, and, um, doing the energy work and the Reiki has naturally, um, opened up my connection with spirits and, um, really feeling and understanding that there are so many souls that are rooting for me, that have my back, that love me, that are cheering me on saying, fuck yeah, you go Glen Coco. And we're so proud of you. (laughs) And like, you know, kind of like stage moms, um, but also like the moms that hold you. <laughs> your spirit guides are like, yes. That is like amazing. we don't like we don't have to be so like serious about it. Like I, I mean, I definitely have my moments where I'm like in ritual and like in meditation and stuff where I'm like just like talking about like very like deep, profound stuff. But also like spirit guides will literally tell me messages like in the form of Chris Jenner, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Or like through a line on like Vanderpump Rules or some reality show I'm watching or something. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and that's I I think that that's also one of the things that I love about the way that you approach this. I feel like it's so accessible and you have these amazing free offerings that people can come to and I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of us, but I think this is an important thing to highlight because people can come, they can have their cameras off, their mics off. It's a free offering and you're literally just mm-hmm. helping people to get connected. And I feel like we're taught that it's like this big mystical thing where we're, you know, if we're going to connect with our spirit guides, we have to go into the jungle and like drink <laughs> ayahuasca and then sit and whatever. And I was in a session with a coaching client the other day and we were connected with her spirit guides and she's having a really difficult time um, just like really owning how she wants to show up and how she wants to exist in the world. And the spirit guide energy that came through was literally like the most flamboyant drag queen (laughs) ever. And like just that type of vibe. And this message that we're like, honey, you are perfect. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You're not all wrong. You're You're a bad bitch. Like, yes. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, love that. And I felt a little weird channeling, Mm -hmm. like giving the messages in the energy that they were coming through with. But I was like, we're just going to roll with this because you need to hear this exactly as it's coming through. And I was like, that was so freaking fun. And my client was like, that was exactly what I needed in that energy, in that tone. And I'm like, well, they are here for you, honey. Like yeah. they are here for you. And th- there was like finger snaps at everything. Yes. And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, that's, I, I love that. Like way. that element has been really healing in itself um, of mm. like not taking myself too seriously in my life too seriously. Like, like it's okay to lighten up a little bit. It's okay to not have everything figured out. It's okay to just say fuck it and have fun. Like it's okay. Like we don't need to be, you know, going back to that like perfectionism all the time. I feel like kind of trickles its way into like spirituality and healing and like like you need to drink lemon water every morning and you need to meditate and you need to do yoga. And like, yes, all of those things are great. I do do all those things from time to time. I'm surrounded by crystals right now. I always have like crystals around me. I love my crystals. I love my tools. I love my stuff, but you don't need any of that stuff. Yes. Crystals. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, you, you really don't need all of that stuff. And I think in terms of just not having it be that serious, like this whole thing is mm-hmm. not that and like serious. you, yeah. This whole you're a di- beloved divine being, no matter human what experience thing. Yeah, like it's not like 
yes, it feels important and it is important, but in terms of if we're going to get really like expansive with this conversation, this is like a microsecond, Mm -hmm. like not even in the large scale of time. Like we have, yes, this body and in this moment, our human ego is telling us like, oh my gosh, like this is such a freaking big deal. But like, it's really, it's really Mm -hmm. not like you can let go. You can have it not be so serious. You cannot have everything weighted on a scale of like one to 1000. Like it doesn't have to mm-hmm. go that way. You can be a lot more fluid. You can have a lot more fun. And I'm not saying, you know, complete anarchy, like go, you know, say sorry. Right. Or, or like if my life doesn't look no, X, Y, Z, I'm like, a failure type thing. Yeah. Right. You know, we still have some matrixy things that we have to do, like eat food and like, you know, make money yeah. to pay bills and so on and so forth. <laughs> but like in terms of like it having to be uh, any certain way, like actually listen to yourself and your your way is the best way for you and that's okay and i love the permission that you give people by making your offerings like so fun and so accessible and when people work with you it is exactly what they need it to be it's not because you need it to be a certain way and i think as a healer really taking your ego out of it and allowing the healing to come through in the way that is in the best interest and the highest good of the person that you're there to serve, that signals to me somebody who's really done a shit ton of inner work. And that's yeah. that's what I'd like to highlight. Yes. But it hasn't been easy. Oh my gosh. Right? Like- <laughs> oh, no, it has not. <laughs> you're you're doing it. You've been doing it. You're still doing it. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you started to implement? Because, you know, I I have had the privilege of having a little bit of a front row seat to your journey. And I know that there have been times that have been filled with a lot of doubt, a lot of resistance, a lot of darkness, a lot of hardship, mm-hmm. a lot of like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like it is it is difficult yeah. to it's difficult to be an entrepreneur let alone you know like an energetic entrepreneur let alone a healer let alone you know and your your human design type and oh how gosh, that plays yes. into it if you feel like highlighting that at all um i'd love for you to just speak on the fact that it hasn't always been yeah. all like you know love and light and like i'm just a healer oh my gosh totally no um <laughs> uh, i like have a lot of mornings where all I can do is like sip on Diet Coke and eat Ben and Jerry's for breakfast and like just regulate myself and scroll TikTok and like that's my morning meditation. <laughs> um, but also, I guess going back to my trauma story a little bit is a big part of this because so there was a big resentencing trial to see if the murderer um, was going to be released. Um, they said no, he has to stay in prison. Um, and that all took about four years to come through to fruition. So, yeah. So we got the news in 2013. The resentencing trial didn't actually happen until 2017, but there was a lot of like prep work before then. Um, he appealed that decision from 2017. So we had to wait until 2019 for his appeal to be denied. Um, and you know, not only that, but he has the chance, um, to be, uh, released on parole every 15 years until he dies. Um, so the last resentencing trial was in 2017, which means the next possibility for his release will be in 2032. Um, he is, um, this new law that allows him to get out, um, only lets, only gives him the possibility because of his age at the time of the murders. He was 17 and a half. Um, and the new law says that juveniles cannot be given life sentences. Um, and he was six months from being away from being 18. Um, so he, every 15 years, this, comes up again in my life and it will come up again until I'm potentially like in my eighties. Um, so, you know, this thing happened before I was born and it's, uh, put a, you know, cast a really dark shadow over my entire life, you know, my past, my present and my future. Um, I live in fear. I'm, you know, not going to sugarcoat it. I live in fear. Um, I always make sure I have some kind of self-defense weapons with me. 
Um, you know, I, my mind can really spiral sometimes knowing that he has a genius IQ. He could send someone to come get me if he wanted. He could probably find a way to break out if he wanted. Like he could break out and kill me and my family at any time, but also he might just be happily released into society, um, you know, in a couple years. And, you know, it, um, is not only, scary for my my safety, my life, my family's safety as well. Um, but also it just completely reopens the wound. Um the wounds, plural, I guess, of, you know, everything that comes along with having your family randomly murdered and um, you know, throughout the course of all of this, we've learned some really upsetting graphic details and um just knowing that this is always going to be unearthed and brought up again every 15 years. It's just like, there is no end to it. It feels like this is always going to be like a black cloud over my head. It's always in the back of my mind. The fear is always in my body. Always. It doesn't go away. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, (laughs) there's that classic saying healing is not linear there are good days and bad days. Um, and like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that um, might be a little deep, I guess. <laughs> but I wish I was never born. I wish I was never born. And I'm going to make the most of it while I'm here. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like. Wow, that's a big duality to carry um like this no one should be going through this no one's life should be completely overshadowed by this bullshit that they had nothing to do with and no one should have to be traumatized over and over again and have to live their life in fear for something that happened before they even came to earth um and like it's fucked up like my uh, my existence is fucked up and it's okay to feel like that it's okay um mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't mean i don't want to be here right now um but it means like yeah like it's okay just to be like <laughs> this fucking sucks it's not the way that humans are supposed to live and it's yeah. okay to acknowledge that yeah um, it sucks. It sucks hearing, um, yeah. you know, the details about what happened to your family on true crime podcasts or, um, TV episodes when they're not even like the details aren't even accurate or they gotten something completely wrong or they're just mm. like fetishizing the trauma that happened. Oh, um, yeah, it sucks. And at the same time, yeah. I know my soul came to this life because I knew I could do it some good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is hard, right? Like being, being a human is, is Mm -hmm. hard. And for some people, their path is harder than for other people. I mean, even, it's it's different, but the trauma that I went through with my dad dying, like it, and the way that that all happened, it's something that I'm like, wow, like I've already done, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chronic illness. <laughs> I was kicked out of a graduate program because of chronic illness. Uh, I've had to like fight for a lot in my life. You know, I've I've been through not so great relationships. There, there's a lot of things. I'm like, oh, cool. Now we get like really deep grief. And the trauma of like how that all happened on top of that. I'm like, this is, this is Mm -hmm. hard. Like this is really, really hard. And I I am, I'm happy to be Mm -hmm. here, right? Like it is hard and I'm happy to be here. It is really difficult some days, but I'm still grateful. And I think that that is one of the really beautiful things about being a, a human being is that we can have 
such complex emotions. We can have that duality of the both and. We can mm-hmm. say, like, I wish I was never born, but at the same time, while I'm here, I'm going to make the most of it. It is something that is real and true and big and complicated and deep, but it is it is what it is to be a human being. And I think also that is another thing that just by you existing in this way and being so open and honest, you dispel any myths that people have about needing to be like this, you know, almighty healer in order to be a helper, to be a healer, to be, you know, someone who is in service of assisting other people in their journey. Like, no, you don't have to be not by a long shot, but what you do have to be is aware of your own shit. You have to be doing your own inner work. You need to know when it's not safe and ethical for you to be supporting or holding space for another person. And, you know, for you right now, a lot of that is you've decided that like your business is what it is and you're not like pushing it or trying to like be this like, oh, well, like, you know, I'm going to have a group program for a hundred million thousand people <laughs> and I'm going to skip. Like, no, you, you have a part-time job at Lush, which you love because, yes. you know, you love your skincare <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And that gives you stability and helps you, you know, pay mm-hmm. the bills and gives you security and all that kind of stuff. And you're spending a lot of time and energy making sure that you are regulated, that you are tending to yourself, that you are taking care of your own shit so that when you are holding space for other people, when you are giving a transmission on Instagram, when you are sending Reiki, that you're in the space to be able to do that. And that doesn't mean that because you're in your own deep healing process and will always be that you are any less qualified to be a healer. I would actually make the argument that it makes you more Yes. Oh, I agree with you on that. (laughs) But that's something that we, I think as a society, like we really have to start looking at that and thinking that people need to be perfect in order to offer help, offer assistance. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not true. Like we're we're all struggling through this, man. (laughs) I feel like one of the most common responses that most people who identify as trauma survivors have experienced at one point in time is perfectionism and feeling Mm -hmm. the need to heal perfectly um, or, you know, be the perfect, like, I don't even have the words. I'm just like vibing. (laughs) Be the perfect vibe. That's okay. People will see the video. If you want to see the video of Annalise vibing, (laughs) <laughs> or like tune into the YouTube channel. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Like you're still a cosmic magical being that's divine as fuck, whether you drink the lemon water or not. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really and I think I talk about this a lot on you know this show and then just in general where your intention is ultimately the thing that matters really yep. and i feel like it's the people who show up in their woundedness and are trying to do things to serve their ego um those are the people that you really want to look out for it doesn't matter if they're working as a therapist it doesn't matter if they're working as a teacher it doesn't matter if they're working as a healer or a coach or what have you the intention behind why they're doing what they're doing really matters. And I think it's really brave to be somebody to come on a podcast that, you know, hopefully hundreds of thousands of people are listening to (laughs) um, and saying that there are mornings that you're sipping on diet Coke and scrolling TikTok and like eating Ben and Jerry's for breakfast, because that's what you need to do in that moment. And like, does that make you any less capable of holding space for other people? Absolutely fucking not. No. If anything, it gives people to know that like they too can have a day where they maybe choose that as their way to regulate and that's okay. Again, it's about really being in truth with what is actually healthy and beneficial for your highest good. Because like if we're doing that every single morning and then we're not going to work or like we're having horrible right. health issues or whatever, like, yeah, <laughs> like maybe we key. take a look at yeah. that. But like if balance is key but if that's like something that like you know you're doing here and there because like that's what you fucking need to do in that moment and then that space then great awesome amazing what a beautiful piece of permission to put out there into the universe because again whether it's something really big t trauma like what you have shared or little t traumas along the way 
we are all working with a lot. We're all walking around with wounds. We're all trying our very, very best to navigate having this clunky meat suit, you know, protecting <sighs> us and like all the crap that comes with it, man. <laughs> so many strings attached to it. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think really Annalise, you know, the, the big piece here that I would love for you to kind of share in your own words is something that you were just starting to highlight about people really remembering, you know, that even though things can be really dark, they can also simultaneously be beautiful and what it is to hold that duality. And so if you could offer just, you know, a really potent like takeaway message from your lived experience, what would you want to share with people today? Eat the ice cream. <laughs> I love it. Eat the ice cream. Um, some, you know, <laughs> honestly, give yourself what you need. And um, mm, yes, tuning in to energetics and spirituality um, and like having a relationship with my spirit guides has really helped me understand that I am enough no matter what I'm doing, that my worth does not change. Mm -hmm. Um, And that all of this stuff that I've been kind of basing the value of my existence around, um, like feeling like my body is good enough or my academic career is good enough um, or my career career was good enough or, you know, being cool or liked or, you know, having a life partner by a certain age. Um, but working with spirit and energy and taking myself outside of the human for a minute really helps me understand that none of that shit matters. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, talking to you as a counselor, as a human, like, yes, that shit's the most important shit that's ever happened to you. Your trauma changed you. You are a person living with trauma in your body. You got to learn how to vibe with it. That's it. But at the same time, if we zoom out, looking at ourselves as souls – Stepping away from this temporary human experience that feels so permanent while we're in it. Um, it reminds us that, like, this is just, like, one level of the video game that we're in. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Love that yeah. takeaway. Um, and, you know, like... Planet Earth is no joke. Planet Earth is essentially boot camp for soul evolution. <laughs> like, we talk about love and light and shit all the time, but we enter this world through blood and through pain. If you think about the process of coming into this world, giving birth, it's Ooh. not yeah. love and light. No matter how it happens, it's yeah. not. That is like a visceral. Yes. Primal. Yeah. yeah. And then we think of mm -hmm. like. Natural yeah. disasters where thousands of people and animals lose their lives um, and things that just kind of happen, things that are fucked up like this, there is, <laughs> it's not easy being here on this planet and um, it's kind of just uh, part of the game. And when you realize that um, – there isn't always a reason of why we are suffering, um, but that it just kind of is what it is. And here is your mission. It's kind of like a those books where you can choose your own adventure. At the end, you get to pick which one you, you choose. Um, but it's kind of like it's not about seeing if your trauma makes you stronger, but really about seeing how the trauma in the world responds to you. How is that energy oh. shifting because of your presence here? Um, oh. You know, energy cannot be mm -hmm. destroyed. It can only be shifted and alchemized. Um, so it's like 
all this fucked up shit isn't happening to you. All this fucked up shit is supposed to happen. And before you were a part of it, you said, this looks like a challenge I think I could take on. Um, I think I want to bring some good to this life. I think I want to change this energy. I think I want to break these cycles. I think I want to help heal this lineage. Mm. Um, yes. And yeah, I think, I guess the biggest thing is really taking a step outside of my human self because being a human being on this planet is really fucked up. And we're more than just our human selves. If we did not have our spirit selves, oh my God. <laughs> if all we had was our physical bodies um, and just dealing with our emotions and, you know, manifestations of trauma and, um, you know, not being having our spirits to like process it and understand and make sense because being human doesn't make sense. No. being human doesn't make sense but like everything makes sense as a soul mm. yeah and I think that that's where you know we get caught up a lot of times because we allow our conscious brain to really get involved in trying to make sense of something that we can't really comprehend mm. as like a conscious computer it's a human thing we want to know why yeah right like have these like limitations and it's something that we just have to understand that like we can't logic it but we can like know it's true or know that it's okay or understand it from a soul perspective and I think that's where I, I started allowing that there was times where I would hear something and I wouldn't be able to understand it or know why I thought that it was true or knew that it was true, but I just did. And I'm like, oh, that's like, that's my soul understanding something. And it has nothing to do with my conscious mind. It has nothing to do with like my brain and like my brain functioning. That's like the energy, the spirit, the soul part of me that already knew that because it knows so much more. And I'm just trying to like pick up these pieces and remember. Um, And it feels a lot like surrender. It feels a lot like faith. It feels a lot like, okay, I don't know how I know. I just know. And it doesn't make sense. So much of what makes sense (laughs) from a a spiritual perspective does not make any sense and cannot make any sense from a logical, Mm. conscious perspective. And I think accepting that there is, it's just not that's a huge thing that we have to get our ego out of the way to be like, you're just not going to understand. You're just not going to know. And you need to just know that you're not going to know, but accept that it's true anyway and accept that you remember it or you know that that is truth, even if you can't logically understand it. And that is a humbling thing that a lot of people really, really struggle with because again, we love to get our egos involved. And I feel like that is a big block for a lot of people. And also why I think it's very important to make access to this more accessible and not be using all these whole like, and join me this Sunday for a transformative Embody your kundalini aura. Right. Like that's wonderful. And that's great. And there are people that that's going to resonate with, but like the people who really need the fucking help are the people who are going to resonate with like your offering of like, who the fuck are my spirit guides? Like yes. those, those are the people that like really could use with getting on board, you know? Cause that's where I was when I first started getting so, into this stuff. That's where I am now. So yeah. Yeah. So speaking about some of these fun offerings, Annalise, People are probably like, this chick sounds very cool. How can I hang out with her? So let the people know how they can hang out with you, how they can find you, how they can work with you, um, all of the fun things. Yes. So every month I host um, free virtual Reiki sessions over Zoom. Um, They are camera-free for participants. So you can just kind of show up, check it out, be involved as much or as little as you want to be. Um, I usually start off with like a little mini masterclass, some kind of topic about trauma and energy. Um, Last month, the topic was where the fuck were my spirit guides? Um, 
usually a topic is really uh, interesting with a swear word in it. <laughs> um, but it, it's pretty much like a little uh, masterclass on some topic. Then I get right into the Reiki energy healing. So it's like a full body session for you. I send you the healing energy. You get to feel it. Um, I explain it really well before um, we do it too. So it's not scary. Um, and then, um, you also get a little taste of kind of all, all the things that I use. Um, so I'll do Reiki. There will be some sound healing. I also do some tarot card readings. Um, and I also, uh, come up with a energetic ritual every month for you to do. And it's usually something that will help you take the energy from the session and carry it with you into your life. Um, so I do that every month. Um, if you want to sign up for that, um, you can find me on Instagram um, and click on the link in my bio there. Um, of course, I also offer private sessions um, where I send you Reiki healing energy. Um, and I also um, read you intuitively. I read your energy, read your chakras. I channel messages from your spirit guides, tell you what they need to know. And depending on your session, I can even create some custom energy rituals just for you. Um, so lots of fun, different ways to work with me. And I hope to see you there. <laughs> yeah. I And that's, you know, I think you intuitively know what it is that people need. I've had the privilege of being in session with you. I've also gifted your sessions to people um, as well. And it's something where like, you're really going to have a session that's very custom tailored to what it is that you need in that moment. Because again, Annalise is not somebody who is very married to, you know, doing things in a certain special way if something's coming through or spirit is, you know, kind of giving a shift one way or the other, um, that it's really going to be exactly what you need it to be, whether it's pulling cards or, you know, a little bit with the crystals or the sound healing that Reiki, it's, it's really, really cool that you have so many different tools that you can utilize to help move and alchemize and shift things for the people who work with you. And, I am just so grateful that you took time today to have this conversation, Annalise. I applaud you for your honesty and for your vulnerability and for your bravery and also for your transparency and your permission giving. Um, it's something that I think we really need more of. And it's my deep honor to highlight and uplift that, um, you know, being able to help other people to hear more of your voice and more of your mission here today. Oh, thank you so much. This is great. I feel like we could keep going forever talking about this stuff. It's it's, <laughs> I know. it's so good. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much. And if you need to connect with Annalise, find her on Instagram and we will link everything in the show notes. Thanks, Annalise. Thank you. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.